0: Believe it or not, this is the last episode of the first season of Spot On. I'm I'm getting a little emotional here, but I'm gonna clean myself up and keep going. So what we thought would be fun for the last episode is to do a summary episode. So the highlights of each episode. So with that, let's begin. This is Spot On a healthy wellness podcast for college students, soon-to-be college students, or anyone that knows a college student. Spot on breaks through the latest health and wellness information hijacked from media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji Blake. I am a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition in You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. You know, our first episode on spot on for the season was, you know, what to eat before, during, and after you work out. Well, who knew that you were really, really interested in this topic because this would became one of the most popular topics of the entire season. We interviewed sports dietitian Lauren O'Brien who gave us the magic formula for what to eat to improve your workouts. Let's listen to some of the highlights of Lauren's advice.
1: I always say for um, leading into a workout, if you can't tolerate anything, carbohydrates are essential and start with those. So a lot of times I'll say to my athletes, start with even a quarter of a banana and try doing that for a week and then build from there. Ultimately, I would want to see them have some having something that's about two thirds carbohydrate and about a third protein. The carbohydrate is really what's you know fueling that workout, and I always say that the protein kind of acts as a primer. It kind of helps start to repair and replenish that tissue that you've been really demanding on during that workout. We we talk a lot about this kind of like window of opportunity after the workout. I'm sure most people have heard about this like 30 to 60 minutes. That's where you got to really make sure you're getting you know everything that you need. Um, And that usually means, again, a balance of carbohydrate and protein. But more research is even showing that even up to 48 hours after a workout, your body is still rebuilding and repairing, especially if you're someone who does quick turnaround in your workouts. That would be like 12 hours sometimes between workouts. Um, So that's where we really say, okay, right after your workout, you do need the carbohydrate and protein where it's, you know, 30 to 40 grams of carbohydrates. So again, maybe like two slices of bread Mm -hmm. um, and then about like 20 grams of protein. So that might be like three eggs or like three tablespoons of a peanut butter, um, something like that.
0: Okay, so what about meditating your way through college and beyond? Can meditation help you with anxiety and stress? Do you have to sign up for a class or are there apps on your smartphone that could work for you? Let's find out.
2: When we're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, it's usually about something from the past or the future. And meditation really guides us to kind of focus on the present moment without judgment. And so it really helps kind of lower our whole body's kind of nervous energy.
1: It's totally great for decreasing cortisol. And I noticed in my own life um, just a, a definite decrease in stress and just like this sense of well-being, like being connected to my day and my connections that I was having Um And yeah, so it's definitely helped me through a difficult time. I'm super grateful to have found the practice.
2: With meditation, it's the practice of over and over again, bringing your attention back to the present moment. And so
1: meditation is really the act of just that. My best suggestion are just the apps. I mean, it's right on your phone. You can use it whenever you want. Um, And it's something I think you can definitely start like with or without a group. Um, And yeah, there's tons of resources.
0: You know, I so enjoyed uh, the episode on Paleo to Keto, Are Carbs the Villain on Your Plate? And we're hearing so, so much about this keto diet. So is there really any science to back up that the keto diet is the way to go for weight loss? We invited fad diet expert Toby Amador. She's a registered dietitian from New York City to set us straight about the keto diet and low-carb diets altogether. Let's listen to her advice.
3: It has shown to be beneficial um you know in kids with seizures
0: right
3: so there there definitely is something to it however for a weight loss for someone who's looking to weight loss and change their healthy eating patterns it actually isn't something that's sustainable it's not fun it's not tasty cuz i've tasted and i've actually um, i've cooked some keto rest a ton of keto recipes just for my own knowledge and and it was freaking tough to sit there and calculate everything out um, and I'm telling you, as a dietitian, where I've analyzed thousands of recipes, um, I'm the nutrition expert at Food Network. I've done a lot of analysis for, for thousands of recipes over there in my own cookbooks. It is just tough to sit there and make sure every meal is under, like, about 8 grams of carbs. I think everybody's looking for the new, newest thing, and, I, you know, you have some influencers, whether it's a couple of big-name celebrities had done it, um, and so if they did it, they're absolutely influences to other people, um, but the problem is if you if you actually follow it, which I, you know I didn't even realize until I started doing a lot of research and looking into this, um, you actually until your body gets enough ketones build up and stops uh, relying on sugar for energy, you get something called the keto flu.
0: You know why are celebrities trying to be the new health and wellness expert this drives me absolutely crazy because they have absolutely no background in either health wellness and of course nutrition so i invited tim corfield the host of the successful netflix series a user's guide to cheating death to come on and explain why are celebrities pushing health quackery And what could be some of the problems when you use Google, or I like to say Dr. Google, to search for health and wellness information?
4: Celebrities, you know, their megaphone is just so large, and they're able to get this misinformation out there. And there's a lot of really interesting research that shows just being exposed to misinformation, right, just being exposed to the noise can have an impact. It's called the mere exposure effect. And that's that's why fake news can have right. an impact, e- even if even if we know it's not true, right? right? It can still have an impact because it just it keeps these myths, this misinformation, alive. And so I think that's one of the things that's often underplayed in the context of celebrity culture. They're getting better and better at using sciency language to legitimize their practices, so it kind of sounds real. You know, I, I call it science where they'll take. <laughs> Uh, you know, a real area of science. A really good example now is is the microbiome and yes. this gut health. Right. So now, detoxes, you know, cleanses, uh, supplements are all um, justified based on their microbiome research, which is real and it's an exciting area. Mm. Uh, but what they'll do is they'll use that terminolo- terminology to give their product this veneer right. of of scientific legitimacy. We should remember how. How problematic searches can be, right? I mean, um, uh, the if you search a, a phrase, um, and I've, I've done this for uh, a number of of topics, often the first page will have, you know, results that are not necessarily that accurate. And even the top snippet, which is what is read by, you know, um, the, your computer, if you ask, you know, your phone, if you ask for help from Google to get a, a verbal response, is inaccurate.
0: This episode on um, how to deal with a difficult roommate. Let me tell you, this is not just in college. This could be life after college and, um, you know, for some of us, marriage. But anyway, um, who knew that communication, confrontation, and using your RA, your residence assistance, as a mediator can actually turn a difficult roommate situation into a more positive experience? Let's find out how.
5: At the end of the day, it all just comes down to communication, sure. um, which I, you know— you could ask any of my friends I am a I wouldn't say great communicator but I have no trouble getting how I feel across and um some people associate confrontation you know with a negative feeling but it really shouldn't be a negative thing because you just have to get through your life by confrontation my RA this year always said like when we had our meetings and stuff like please like knock on my door if I'm there I'll always answer it or like i had her email like from she gave me her email she's like or shoot me an email um and then later on when i started seeing her more frequently she's like shoot me a text like super accessible and like she was like when i when i told her like when i was like very like thankful for her i was like i know you have a lot going on she's like this is what i get paid to do it's not the mediator's job to determine a winner or you know to Mm -hmm. for them to decide who's right and who's wrong because that is not their job their job is to enable the conversation and help it along and facilitate it um, and make sure that everyone has the opportunity to get how they completely feel across um so yeah i think that that's an important takeaway there is no winner in this situation no one's right or wrong like that's how you reach compromise in the
0: end (laughs) Is the Freshman 15 a myth or a reality? Well, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to tune in to hear more about that. But what I loved about this uh, segment, this episode, is that we invited a college dietitian, Rachel Reynolds, to come on to talk about the realities of the fears that college students may have about eating in college, dining halls, and how to eat more healthfully.
2: So a lot of students come in and they are so afraid of gaining this weight when they come to college. So they're in a different environment completely. They are often eating in a dining hall of some sort um, where there's a lot of different options than what they're used to. Their schedule is different than what they're used to. Um, So they're coming in and their main concern is, oh my gosh, how do I avoid gaining weight? Um, A lot of them though are actually not eating very much, so they're they're using these unhealthy eating practices. It's also a hard environment in that when you're in this dining hall that has great options and has a lot of options, it's also kind of hard to figure out how much do I really need? So that's another piece of it is, is there's a lot available, you're making your choices on your own, sometimes for the very first time, about what am I gonna eat, how much am I gonna eat? So that's stressful too. Um, so sometimes it's also just thinking about how can we educate students so they do understand what they need and they can meet what their body needs when they are in this situation.
0: We are hearing so much about intermittent fasting. Um, I get questions on this all the time, so we did an episode on this, and the question is, what is intermittent fasting, and can it be used for weight management? So we brought on the renowned obesity researcher, Dr. Jim Hill, and he came on and set us straight about the latest dieting craze. Let's let's listen to it.
6: There's not one definition of intermittent fasting. What what we're trying to do when we suggest the concept of intermittent fasting is extend that period of time during the day when you don't eat. So let's say typically you might go eight or nine hours not eating, basically when you sleep, Mm -hmm. and during the other time, it's like fair game. So intermittent fasting is saying, let's have some periods where That fasting period is longer one of the ways we're particularly interested in it is after people lose weight and by the way we're pretty good at producing weight loss where we run into problems is keeping the weight off and so one of the things that we teach people is this is a tool that when you have a rough patch during weight loss maintenance
0: maybe for a week you do alternate day fasting People often say to me, oh, it's so expensive to eat healthy. So, you know, I wanted to nail this one right where it needed to be nailed. So, can it be done? So, we invited a college nutritionist, uh, Claire Murphy, on board to tell us, you know, can you really eat healthy when you have a tight budget? And you're going to be surprised. Or just some of the tips she gives this, many more in the episode. But what I love the most is markdown down food, food that's on sale. What did she say about that?
5: Oftentimes, um, usually it's kind of in the back of the produce section, but there might be a cart or a display where they have this produce that doesn't kind of fit the traditional way that we would think that it should look. Um, And it's often discounted um, price wise. And um, it's, you know, a small display, but it's there. So kind of voting with your dollars and letting the grocer grocer know that you're interested in purchasing that food. Planning ahead is a big one. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, if we go to the grocery store hungry, we don't really have a plan. Uh, we might be more inclined to buy things that aren't necessarily um, within either our budget or um, you know the foods that will help us to reach our uh, nutrition needs. Um, so making a grocery list is a great way before you go to the store um, and really sticking to it. Um, that can help to avoid impulse buys um, and help reduce our food waste.
0: You know, we're all on social media. Some of us are on a little bit too more than we should be, but that's another episode. But this episode, we wanted to figure out how does social media affect your body image, and there is some fascinating research about that. So we went to the real source. We went to Dr. Roberto Alavardia. He is a Harvard researcher and the author of The Adonis Complex. And he came on and he shared his stunning research about the impact of the chronic use of social media such as Instagram and how it can affect how you see yourself in the mirror. Let's listen.
7: Media is an incredible fuel to the flame and social media even more so. And what's uh, probably the biggest difference from when we wrote Adonis Complex in 2000 to now is the influence and the impact of social media. And the younger people people that I'm seeing who are affected by body image dissatisfaction. I mean, I treat boys as young as nine and ten with significant body image concerns, and um, there there are apps that you can literally take out quote-unquote flaws, you know, in your appearance. We really have to fully be media literate in the sense that, of course, people know that a lot of these images might be digitally enhanced, but to really understand when our self-talk is being activated. We all have self-talk about our bodies and our appearance, and I, um, I encourage everyone who's listening to this to, as a homework assignment, be aware of what your self-talk is. We coined this phrase, the Adonis Complex. It's not a clinical term, but more to kind of Uh, denote all the different manifestations of body image problems. And Adonis, for people who may know, was a mythological character. He was half man, half God, and he really represented the ideal in masculine beauty.
0: We're hearing so much about plant-based diets, and some people want to become a vegetarian. But unfortunately, uh, if you don't do it correctly, there can be some problems with it. If you do it correctly, it can have a lot of pluses. So we, to set the record straight, we invited on plant-based registered dietitian nutritionists Guru, the author Sharon Palmer, she has so many books about vegetarianism, to come on and share her insight of what you need to know about vegetarian diets and when you need to get some help.
8: So, the, there is quite a bit of research that shows that people that eat a more plant based diet have lots of health benefits, mostly related to heart health, um, lower weight, you know, a, a healthier weight range, and lower risk of diabetes, even certain types of cancer. So, there are a lot of health benefits benefits associated with eating this way if you eat a really smart well-planned vegetarian diet you should do pretty well um, with your nutrient needs the only thing you could be a little short on is b12 because even um, b12 if you're excluding all animal flesh in terms of meat poultry and seafood you could be a little short so the recommendation is to supplement b12 a few times a week and then if you're a total vegetarian meaning you're vegan then you would have to supplement every day with b12 because that's really found in animal products especially for a vegan diet i always recommend that somebody sit down with a registered dietitian um who is familiar with that Mm
1: -hmm.
8: you know with those kind of eating patterns and just make sure you're you know planning out a nutritionally adequate diet Mm
0: In this episode about the good, the bad, and the ugly about consuming alcohol, we invited an expert, Ginger Holton, her a.k.a. Get Ready for This is Champagne Nutrition. She's an expert on people's association and relationship with alcohol to talk about while there may be some benefits about drinking some ac- alcohol for for those who choose to do it, it may not be for everyone.
9: Very generally, it takes about an hour for your body to break down about 8 grams of alcohol. So if a drink is about 14 grams, yeah. oh. you're looking about clearing about a half of a drink per hour. So it does. it's a pretty slow process. It sticks around. But I want to tell you that it, this depends on many things, uh, male versus female, your age, your weight. Uh, your genes, like I mentioned, how, how quickly those pathways are working in the liver, how much you've eaten, like we talked about, mm-hmm. the type of alcohol you're drinking, how strong it is, how quickly you drink. And then people should not underestimate that there's many uh, interactions with medication.
0: Oh, yes. So
9: – Really, people need to think about that, too. There's many factors. Some people are going to clear alcohol faster and some slower, but generally about a half a drink an hour. Women, um, because of that, actually, are at increased risk for developing damage to their liver, to their heart, and to their brain when they're having long-term alcohol misuse or chronic
0: alcoholism. More importantly, she educates us on something that's very serious called drunk orexia.
9: It's actually a combination of eating disorder behavior and alcoholism behavior together so what's happening is people are either restricting their calories or purposefully not eating or and or exercising a lot in order to stay thin um, because there is a lot of calories and alcohol so basically people want to drink uh, but they don't they want to stay thin so they are not eating or they're
0: they're restricting in other ways it's a pretty dangerous practice. Is it me or does it seem like that everybody is watching Netflix? and the the answer is everybody is watching Netflix. On this episode, we wanted to find out, does binge watching Netflix change your social interactions and in the view of uh, the world around you? And we had a fascinating BU researcher, Sarah Krongard, come in and talk about her latest research on the effects of binge watching of your favorite TV shows. And there is some not so good news and some good news. Let's listen.
8: In the end, what we found was that these shows were extremely violent and the violence was tended to be um, very intentional, graphic, serious, significant to the plot and very little moral justification was happening so we weren't seeing a lot of violence to support the common good you know we found that people who spent more time binging binging in general and these shows specifically uh saw the world as a meaner place Mm. um and a less kind friendly environment so we saw that there was a relationship with the with these specific programs especially because they i think
0: because they're so violent How many times have you heard people say, oh, if I could only take back those years in college, I would have done things so differently. So we thought on this episode, why look back? Let's look forward. So this episode was the top five tips to nail the college experience. And we brought on some two fellow college students, one that is just about graduating and one that graduated and has a great job. So she's going to tell you about life after college. To get their wisdom of, of what, how to make the most out of your college times, you know, let's not look back. Let's look forward. Let's listen. The most successful people
7: consistently at making friends that I've ever met have been the ones who are willing to put themselves out there because the people who like them, they know right off the bat who they are and, and the, they're, they're going to go for it and you're going to make lasting friendships there. And if you don't, then you, you just you know stopped months of agony down the road.
5: It's really important to find people who are like-minded and have positive energies and build you up. And it took a while to find those people. And there were people that I knew in my gut that I, when I was having conversations or they were gossiping or whatever it may be, I knew in my gut that that, that they weren't going to be... right friends for me.
7: I wish that I had invested myself a little bit more in uh, in the diversity of things that I was able to learn in the the Mm. second two years if I was able to go out there and you know not worry so much as I talked about earlier about uh, what would look good on a resume Mm -hmm. or any of that stuff and and just enjoyed the experience a little more it people say it goes fast but it it really (laughs) it goes fast (laughs) Uh, so to savor every second of it. (laughs)
0: I can't thank you enough for listening to Spot On and making it the success that it has become. We are thrilled about producing this and giving you the content and information that you can use. And, of course, we want it that science-based but fun and informative. And I'm looking forward to doing a whole nother run of more episodes. So please like us on our Facebook page and tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. And, oh, by the way, can you tell five of your friends about Spot On? Do I ask a lot of you? Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to Spot On. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salgi Blake. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Joan Salgi Blake. Please subscribe to Spot On through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcasts. Also, visit our Facebook page to join the conversation and tell us what you'd like to hear in future episodes.